Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Have you ever been slammed with so much information that you feel like you can't make a decision? Have you ever not acted on something and later on regretted not doing it or even taken too long to decide? Maybe you're naturally someone who is attracted to the details, every minute detail of every situation. Is that you? You may have fallen victim to analysis paralysis in the past. And if you haven't already, you will at some stage in your life. In this current age of information wars, viral marketing strategies on social media, opinions of opinions, and the words of well-meaning relatives, we can get so caught up with our decisions and not make any progress with our career, investing, where we want to live and work, you name it, there is no shortage of incoming data to cloud our judgment. We can't do this podcast without our show partner, Tal. That's T-A-L. I also have some great news to announce. Recently, Tal have won the Life Company of the Year Award. The AFA, which is the Association of Financial Advisors, partners with Plan for Life and Beddoes Institute on the Life Company of the Year Awards, which celebrates excellence in service, product, and support delivered. And these awards are the leading annual recognition for life insurers in Australia. So well done to Tao. Thanks for your support. If you're looking to get your financial foundation sorted, please speak to your financial advisor today or head to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help. And if you do want to get some insurance in your own life sorted, when you click get help, you can scroll down and hit, I want to look at my life and income insurances for my family. And I'll be more than happy to introduce you to a financial advisor if you don't have one. I'm Glenn James. You're listening to my millennial money. John Pigeon, host of My Millennial Property, thanks for joining me again on this podcast episode. Now, before we get into some of the practical points that we've got around how we've tackled analysis paralysis, like, do you have any kind of just opening comments or statements in your own life, how you've dealt with it, um, how it's affected you, if it has, or particularly any people that you've coached? Yeah, it's an interesting conversation around this whole analysis paralysis because so many people I come across um, don't take action for various reasons in any part of their life Um, and as a result, a lot of people look back with some kind of regret, don't they? So it's I'm always personally to to the mindset of, well, Am I going to feel regret if I don't make a decision of some kind? And and if the answer to that is yes, then I've I've got to take some action. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I've kind of. It's really funny, you know. Anyone who knows me personally, and probably all of you people who listen to this uh, podcast, I'm a bit of an all or nothing type of guy. <laughs> like, I'll go full bore into something. <laughs> <laughs> and then be like, oh, crap, I've really overshot the runway there. <laughs> or I'll sit on something that I've been thinking about for 18 months or two years. So, it, I, for me, I've really struggled with the all or nothing. I haven't, mm. I haven't really had the analysis paralysis because I guess I, I have. Well, because uh, okay. I, I, I think, John, like, because I, I wanted to set this podcast, like, we want to talk about analysis paralysis uh, for financial decisions, life decisions, career decisions and all that. And I think, yes, with execution, I'm probably all or nothing. That's probably a better way to to do it. Mm. And I think the whole analysis paralysis, it is when we get caught in the micro and in the detail. And, you know, Seth Godin I, I love, I think he said this, he's like, the problem with space, there's just too much of it. <laughs> and, you know, I, when I purchased a car once, I, you know, I purchased a brand new car once, I think, in my life. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
can you just make them all one color so I don't have to choose? Don't have to choose, yeah. Yeah, it's like so uh, I th- it's like these project homes that the pe- they take it out of the people's hands by just giving them two or three options and that's it for color schemes. Yeah, so I think it it is real and yeah, I think for me I can pull the trigger either instantly and overkill it or I don't pull the trigger, but then within that spectrum I do get caught in the decision fatigue which can actually cause analysis paralysis. Yeah, yeah. And I often think about the things, if I do suffer from it, uh, what's actually stopping me from taking action and is that important to me? And, and most of the time, the things that I'm not taking action on weren't that important to begin with and that's why I've got paralysis around it. it um, but the big ticket items, generally speaking, I'm taking action on. Um, maybe similar to yourself. I probably don't go full ball like you do, but uh, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to the nitty gritty of what we think uh, can help well, people. I, I think it's kind of like my personality is almost a bit like the venture capitalist. It's like we will commit, you know, money to all of these projects. We know we're going to lose on probably. 70% of them, but the 30, oh man, it's going to have upside and there's going to be a unicorn in there. So. Yeah, that's right. And and uh, gut feel can't be underestimated in life, can it? But I think that comes with experience. So if we're sitting here at, uh, uh, like my eldest is turning 13, like his gut feel hasn't had too much life experience to go by whether that's going to be the right decision or not. Yeah, I think that's true. Like the problem I'm having in my own business with like Simo and, you know, we've got the team, the team really are screaming for me to articulate what my vision is and what we want to do. And I'm like, oh, I just, a lot of my business decisions, I just vibe out and I go with my gut. Yeah. And, you know, this wasn't a pre kind of prepared point, but for me, I've really dulled down my life with decisions and vibe and flow. And it all sounds washy, but some of you get it. Like you just vibe stuff out. It's like, oh, this, yeah, yeah, this is the right direction. Yeah. I go on a green, stop on a red, pause on an amber. Like that's what I've kind of really developed in my own life and my own business decisions. Mm. But I guess, John, like if we go to maybe some of the talking points that we've prepared, you know, you you are a property coach and there's been so many listeners, hundreds and hundreds of listeners who have had clarity calls with you, uh, particularly around purchasing a property. But I mean, what would you say, property, yes, but maybe if we move into your first point about what you want to talk about? Yeah, I think we need to gain a clear strategy as to as to what we're doing and, and not look too far beyond that to begin with because and if I use property as an example sometimes we're guilty of jumping on realestate.com or domain before we even know what we're doing before we even know our strategy before we know how much money we've got to spend or the banks will lend us or what sort of yield we need and we just want the exciting glossy bit of right I'm going to jump on and uh, look at this property and this looks all right uh, but now that's under offer so I, I moved to a different part of the country and all of a sudden I'm getting uh, I'm losing momentum and then I maybe lose the confidence to actually go and get a strategy in the first place. So I think that's the first part of it is, right, let's understand what it is that we're trying to do and then define what the strategy is for us to begin with. And then that leads to, right, that might have two or three action steps associated with it and the pros and cons of the whole uh, exercise to begin with. And I guess it is like setting that clear strategy. It is yes, I want to buy a property. Like just agreeing that, yes, I'm ready. And I was talking to someone just this week. They didn't want to ever buy a home. They were just happy to rent and and whatnot. And things have changed in their life. And they're now thinking about, you know what, I think for future security and all that, a property might actually be for me. Mm. And it doesn't have to be that I want a three-bedroom house with two baths and a garage with a shed out the back because it's almost after the fact. We, yeah. That clear strategy is the big rocks. Like, yes, conceptually, I've sat on this notion that 
I do actually want to buy a, a property to live in. Yeah, that's right. And, and it might be just a case of saying, well, what location is that? And what don't I want? And then that can lead us so, uh, uh, to a quicker decision of what we do want. And we shortlist that criteria to form that strategy. So, okay, get a clear strategy for what you're doing. Let's turn it up to 11 on that. What if you're working a job and you're not happy in your job? Yeah, so I, I black and white say well, we've got two choices here. We can change the environment totally by saying, well, I've had enough. Now let's put some feelers out for who else wants me in this life uh, as an employee. Or I change the environment that I'm working in by having a conversation with the, the manager or the boss or my colleagues and, and really identify what is it that I'm not enjoying. So again, looking at the, the actual uh, problem to begin with um, to then lead you to I suppose the assessment of do I need to leave my job? Is this just a, mm. a, a, a non-tenable exercise, or uh, can I stay here and make it work? But I just need to thrash it out with someone in my team to make it a, a better environment. And this is like this whole analysis paralysis. And I'm probably it's kind of this thing. It's like people might be like, it's just too overwhelming to look at all the data inputs of, I don't like my job, I hate my career, I hate my team. It's just, I don't know what I'm doing. It's all too much. Yeah. And for me, sometimes I get overloaded. And I, I guess a lot of us do, John, like uh, just yesterday, JP and the team, we use Slack here and we sometimes send audio messages. Yeah. And, you know, she went and met with some different people and she sends some three audio messages. And I pretty much said to her like, that's awesome. A lot going on there. I need some time to digest that Express podcast episode that you just fed me. So, <laughs> I think it's just understanding there's a lot of um, moving parts with a lot of decisions. Mm. But I guess if we move to, you know, the next point that I want to talk to you about, and it's a point that I made, which kind of ties into this. It's like, you need to set a date to make a decision by. And that could be, be resolved that if we use the workplace uh, analogy, look, I'm not happy here. Okay, I'm going to set a date, six weeks time on this date, four weeks, whatever that is. Mm. I need to work out by the end of this month or whatever that am I resolved within myself that it is time to move on to another role? another organization, another team. You know, we know there's a difference between job and career. I love my career. I love my vocation, profession, whatever you want to call it. I just don't like this environment. So, I think it is that set a date that I have to have made a decision as a step one. Yeah. I don't know the other side of that. And that back to the house thing, over the next six months, I really want to just think big rocks do I actually want to own a house to live in? Conceptually, forget the details, forget the data, because that just starts to move us in the direction of movement to remove the paralysis from analysis because then we're not we're not needing to worry about all these micro details first off. Yeah. If the outcome isn't going to be that I want to buy a house to live in or the outcome isn't that I want to actually change workplaces because I like the company, I just hate this role. So, I think it is just that distilling and setting a line in the sand to say, I need a big rock decision yep. by this date. Yeah, no, I like that. And and uh, what what that does is it creates action, doesn't it? So, all of a sudden, there's a bit of pressure on here. I've, got, I've set a date in my mind that's the 30th of next month, for example, and uh, I've got to take some action. Otherwise, that date's going to come around pre pretty quickly. But would you say that that date needs to be realistic? Like, can it be too short or too long? Yeah. And I think that's true. Like, you know, I get analysis paralysis over what I'm going to have for lunch every day. You do. Well, I, I can't set a date of, all right, well, in three weeks' time, I want to categorically know what I'm having for lunch today. So, it just needs to be um, relative to the weight of the decision. Yeah. What else have you got, John? 
So I think my second one would be to get rid of the fear and uncertainty in in what's going on in your life or in that particular uh, decision that we need to make surrounding that uh, area of our life, if you want to call it that, okay? Because I think, um, and and there's actually, I've done a little bit of research on this, Glenn, which you'd be impressed by. There's a study out of Hawaii University that states that the, the brain reacts strongly to negative stimuli. Um, anything that it deem, deems negative um, has, an, uh, has an effect on the brain in a positive way, which is sort of weird, isn't it? Like it's, uh, so we, they, they want to see a five to one ratio, five positives to one negative. Don't be all airy-fairy and continue to be this positive person that doesn't uh, have any objections, but just have a, a, an in-tune ratio that says, well, okay, I'm going to look constructively at this situation, but I'm also going to apply some sort of um, constructive criticism to it as well. So I think getting rid of fear and uncertainty uh, gives us the ability to, to think clearly around something. And just on that, I've also been looking at this cognitive bias stuff and loss aversion is a really big common uh, cognitive bias that will always want to take the safe road because the the pain of loss is better than the joy of gain. So I think if we just step back and just understand how most of us are wired, mm. that it's easier for us just to default to negative, default to that stuff. So it is becoming self-aware of our own proclivity to our thoughts, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and. What is the fear? Like that acronym of false evidence appearing real, like understanding what is the actual fear around the decision we're about to make. And sometimes what drives us is the actual fear of doing nothing. If we don't take action on this, how are we going to feel? And going back to that job, like if we don't do something about this, what's going to be happening in six months' time? Well, we're, we're going to be even more annoyed with our work-life um, balance and our, and our time at work that we're going to be uh, going down this path that it's going to affect our whole uh, existence, isn't it? Yeah. And if somebody wanted to, you know, you hear this podcast, you're in the Facebook group, you follow us on Instagram, you're in this world and you see these people saying, I invest $100 a month into this investment or I invest with an ETF here or I invest with this broker here or this platform. If you're not an investor yet, all those buzzwords can compound to really freak us out and not want to make a decision. But part of getting rid of the uncertainty and fear, well, what about you take a baby step? What about you buy the book, sort your money out and get invested? Great book. I hear the author's a fantastic guy. What about your understanding you're already an investor if you've got superannuation? What about picking up the phone, talking to your super fund and just asking them to explain how your investment account works? Mm. Yeah. And just slowly lowering the the barriers Absolutely. to yeah to that you know what's causing that fear and uncertainty. Mm. What what's uh, what's your next tip? I wanted to get really kind of practical. I want you to grab a pen and paper, everyone, and if you've got your thing like I want to change careers, or I'm pretty sure I want to uh, buy a home to live in, or I want to become a rent vester. I want to start investing. I want you to get a list and I want you to brain dump, set a timer, two minutes, write down as many things that you need to do to get to that execution point. All you got to do then is just start ticking off things. And if we go back to that investing thing, if I set Nathan's timer now just for 30 seconds and he'll put some type of fun music... I'm going to just quickly write down a practical list of things that will help me with my analysis paralysis uh, with starting an investment account, all right? So we'll go now 20 seconds. I'm going to get the book. I'm going to call Superfund. You can think of some too, John. I'm going to ask friends if they invest. I'm going to search my Millennial Money Facebook group uh, for hashtag investing. I'm going to listen to an investing podcast. I'm going to 
else am I going to do to, to remove that fear? I'm going to... Take out uh, people that are not influencing me in that area of yeah. my life. Oh, well, that's... Yeah, uh, remove negativity people. So you might not ask people what they think if they're just a negative so-and-so. But you can see there, like, I've got a list of one, two, three, four, five things. Even these are really dumb things quote unquote, that might not seem like they're big steps, but now I've got a list of things to do. So, okay, I get Glenn's book, tick. Yeah, that's an ad, whatever, who cares? Uh, I'm going to call my super fun tick. I'm going to ask friends, ask five friends if they invest. If yes, what platforms and what investments do they use? Tick. I'm going to search My Millennial Money Facebook group for hashtag investing. Tick. I'm going to listen to a couple of podcast episodes just about investing in shares. Tick. So, by doing this, I formed a bit of a practical list of action steps that I can go back and, and do. Yeah, and, and absolutely, you can apply this to every area of your life. Like you might know absolutely nothing about this whole financial wealth or investing or whatever it may be, but you can just start, as you said, with those baby steps of one or two things this week and one or two the week after. And and we've never been in such a powerful position as now to be able to access information like podcasts, like uh, audio books, like we don't even have to leave our room, do we? That's right. And like, there is no cost for a lot of these things. Mm. Yeah. Like if you've got an Amazon uh, Prime or Audible subscription or something like that, you've got audiobook credits, listen to some investing books. Mm. But again, just do so, not with the, I'm going to be bogged down with information, but I'm doing it with a lens to learn and understand, even if we're not pulling the trigger yet. Yeah, and I was just about to say that. It's, it's almost like an online degree, isn't it? Let's let's dedicate the next six months or 12 months. Like You're not going to miss out on financial wealth by just um, sitting still for six months and doing nothing. Uh, even if you have got a good chunk of money sitting around, you've got to make sure that you've got the knowledge first to be able to go forward and, and have confidence when it's time to use it. What have you got, John? We've got to keep a positive mindset and we've talked about it a little bit, but we, not to the point of being unrealistic. We, we don't say, and if we, if we use the job as a, our, our, I suppose, our point of um, reference, if we're not happy what we're doing and we're getting paid 100 grand a year, don't be unrealistic in the sense that oh, someone's going to pick me up and pay me 200,000. Like just, you, you've got to be realistic, but have a really positive mindset on the outcome uh, because I'm a big believer in if you put enough positive vibes out there in the world, in whatever shape or form it is, that good things will come back your way generally and vice versa with uh, the negative stuff. So you're attracted to – what are you laughing at? Do you believe in manifesting? Go further. Well, you know how they say like all these social media like, I manifested a new car. Yeah. I just thought about it so much and it appeared. Well, I don't believe in like true fairy tales, like a car just lands in your garage, like if that that's what you're saying. But it's- I just wrote a big piece yesterday about manifesting and I'm like- What's your view on it? Well, I, I think it's rubbish and I've probably just pissed off a heap of people. Well, and the only reason I say that is because it's okay to have a positive mindset, but this whole manifesting thing- the last thing that you've manifested and appeared in your life, it was probably something you wanted more than needed. Mm. And then if you do have such magical powers, can you please manifest some- Yeah, uh, my way. Well, manifest some to people in need. Like not many people go around manifesting. I'm just manifesting world poverty to be removed. I'm just manifesting yeah. homelessness in Australia to be not a thing anymore. It can get selfish and self-centered. That's all I'm saying. So if your if your magical powers are real and you do manifest, we'll manifest some my way and some way of someone who's uh, a little less fortunate than you. Yeah, totally. A- anyway, back on track. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm big on the whole positive vibes. Surround yourself with positive people, um, and and don't absolutely do the opposite yeah. of that. Like, uh, yeah. if if uh, if you're a naysayer and you and you want to surround yourself with people that that are the same, and you've been stuck in this rut for the last ten years, well, uh, I'm sorry, but that you're the only person to blame here. 
Right, and this is a whole conversation, is it? Why do, why have we got analysis paralysis? Uh, well, part of the reason may be, well, we've got to change our frame of mind. Yeah, but I will push back a little bit because there are people who are genuinely in a situation that's negative, that's not in their control. But I think it is understanding that we've all got cards that we've been dealt good and bad. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're, you know, if you're living week on week, I don't know, you've come out of a relationship and you've, you're starting from scratch again and you probably don't even have analysis paralysis because you're in survival mode. Yeah, totally. And And that's a different I would probably say this analysis paralysis, it kind of is probably a symptom of a well-fed calf. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because, but it goes back to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like if I'm looking for food and shelter, I don't have analysis paralysis. It's like, oh, do I eat the banana or do I, I don't know, get that delicious salad over there? Yeah. Well, no, I'm just eating because this is urgent. Yeah, I'm in survival mode. So I Mm. think it is a symptom of, and maybe that is part of, this thing that we're kind of digging deep into, you know, if you've got analysis paralysis over a decision in your life, that's a significant decision. A lot of the time, it's a luxury to have this analysis paralysis because it means yeah. you've got choice. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and, and part of that tip, I suppose, of having a positive mindset is also about gratitude and, and knowing what you've already got to be able to say, well, okay, I'm actually in a pretty good position here. I'm, I'm getting paid a, a salary and I've got a house and I've got a car and I'm able to uh, put petrol in it and I can, I can put food on the table every day. So first and foremost, I'm grateful for that. But there's this part of the life that says, well, I'm not enjoying this at the moment and I'm the only one who can change that. Yeah. But don't yeah. sit around and whinge about the fact that you're not enjoying it if you haven't done anything about it is... uh, And that's it. Like the fact that you've got analysis paralysis over, oh, I don't know what to put my extra $1,000 a month into. I don't know whether I do this ETF or that ETF. You should be lucky you've got $1,000 a month first. Sorry. (laughs) So, yeah. That's gone over the Monix 6. Sorry? That's gone over minus 6. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get John to it. John's actually remote today and we're trying to get uh, the, our remote hosts to have good quality audio with, you know, negative 6 dB and, you know, negative 20 and all those dB things uh, because he is a recovering individual from the spicy cough. All right. So what's your next tip? My next tip is after the break, which is happening right now. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, we're back. Before we get back into analysis paralysis, we've got a new segment. We don't know what it's called yet, but we're reading community answers from the Facebook group. We asked the Facebook group, 
what was your biggest money-related insecurity growing up? John, do you want to pick one and read it? Okay. Rachel O'Reilly, having a shitty non-Nokia phone in the golden age of 3315. That's a real insecurity, that. Yeah. (laughs) I had one of those. Look at this one, like Kayla Louise, losing our house. My father went to court a few times to try and save it. I ended up getting a job as soon as I could and worked so much so I could pay for my parents' mortgage and car registrations. Um, Like coming back to our topic today, there's no analysis paralysis. There's just um, action and survival in that, isn't there? Mm, Totally. Another one here, Adrian... Pilato said, wearing mango jeans instead of rusty jeans with the fluoro stripes down the side, it was rough. <laughs> uh, Megan Summerton says, always being disappointed with presents at Christmas as our budget was always super tight. Now I tend to go a bit overboard at Christmas with the kids. Oh, that's awesome. Wuben Leah said, wow, my money-related insecurities growing up were a roof over my head, food in my stomach, warmth, I slept on cardboard boxes behind buildings with my mum sometimes, warmed myself on the pie display at servos. Wow. So this stuff's real. And there are people of all vibes, walks of life, all that stuff in the My Millennial Money community. So there you go. We're going to start to share some stuff during our episodes uh, after the break as a bit of a new segment. If you are a brand or company, if I can just pitch you, if you want to sponsor this midweek segment, uh, please reach out to us and, you know, your brand could feature the, you know, can can we see a uh, community corner of the week thanks to Solvair Wealth, John? Could be, could be. Or Envisage Property. Envisage Um, Property. Send us your money, John. I want it. One one tip I'd have for people writing stuff is if it's longer than one sentence, I'm probably not going to read it out. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's just too long. And to be fair, uh, just again, I've probably been saying this lately, Blanket thing, if you write anything in the Facebook group, it could end up on the podcast. So, if you don't want it on the podcast, just write it in brackets at the end of it, keep off podcast or yeah. keep anonymous. Uh, but there, we'll, uh, we'll lead out of this segment with some fancy bump music. Thanks, Nathan. And there we go. Okay, back to analysis paralysis. Do you like that new little segment, John? I loved it. Yeah, look, it's always good to find out the same time as the listeners. Absolutely. I want to move on to my next point. And this is really good, John, Um, (laughs) if I do say (laughs) so myself. The others Um, haven't been. That's right. When you are really wanting to make a decision, you need life-giving friends in your life. You need a sounding board. And this is kind of the the value that I see with the clarity calls, John. Like, And we'll put a link in the show note if you want a clarity call with John around your property stuff. And we're even now doing uh, a career clarity call with Shell from the My Millennial Career Podcast because when you have decision-making, one big thing that will remove that analysis paralysis is getting out of your own head and getting people that are for you in your corner. And some of us don't have that life-giving friend who can actually be a little bit further down the line. For me personally, I don't have a lot of friends. Who? (laughs) (laughs) Who I can actually go to and talk strategic business goals with. But I might have to go to a mentor who's a little bit down the road further to say, hey, this is my thing. Mm. What do you think? And they want me to succeed. They want me to do well. Yeah, no, I like that. And and would you say that you, you don't want to be the loudest person in the room and you do need to drop your ego in order to do that? Because if you don't, you, you become very closed door and not able to learn and grow. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just really loving like, I've got a mentor that I catch up with every now and again, uh, and actually, I've got to. I'm gonna re- gonna text him now. Paul Harding Davis. If you know Paul Harding Davis, he's a great guy. He really, you know, he. I did pay him to be a business coach in my life when I was a, in uh, had my financial planning business. Uh, 
you know, I think the kind of week before COVID happened, we we're planning to catch up and have a coffee, but <laughs> I've got to now, you know, we were texting the other day. So just like experienced people who you totally trust, who you totally respect just to do life with. Mm. And it's not this paid thing. It's just like this person values you. And I don't know, John, I, I don't want to kind of, I had thought of this for some time and I really need to run it by the team first, but I'm almost thinking of organizing and I may have thought about before and it just hasn't happened. Like doing some type of my millennial money kind of mentor matching thing, just so we can help facilitate, you know, connecting people. But I just want to, yeah, I don't want to overload our team and really want to, yeah, I don't know. I'm just talking out loud here, but Get a mentor, get someone that's good, a life-giving friend. Um, and that's important when I say life-giving friend because we've got friends in our world who actually, they're almost sometimes a frenemy and they're a bit jealous and mm. they're kind of in your friendship circle by default. Yeah, and toxic. Yeah, so you just have to really guard your goals and guard your decision process um, when you're around that type of person. Uh, but I will say from a personal point of view, uh, don't, and I'll always say this forevermore, amen. If you feel like there could be some type of uh, clinical thing going on, like for example, when I really had to almost be self-aware enough to know I live in my dream house at my dream location. I've got lots of money, quote unquote, relative to my friends. I've got time and all this stuff. Why am I still really sad and down and I needed some help. So, I went to my GP and said, hey, this is going on. I think, you know, all these external things by the textbook of the Instagram influencer, Glenn should be the happiest successful person in the world because he lives at Blue Bay where he always wanted to live and he got his, you know, good house and he can travel and do all this stuff. There was a clinical thing going on there that was clouding some of my thought processes. So, I'll just encourage anyone, if you need some professional talk therapy with a counsellor or psychologist, um, that's also awesome. Yeah, drop the ego and mm. realise you'd need help. What yeah. else you got, Johnson? Okay, okay so uh, I think we've got to fill the gaps, not not Sally's, but we've, we've got to say, well, how, how do we need to build the confidence for us to make a decision, right? Now, usually that's through your own self-education to be able to gain the confidence um, or it might be similar to what you've mentioned, go out and, and find a mentor or, f- or talk to someone about it. But I think a lot of what's lacking when people don't make decisions and they procrastinate over it for sometimes years at a time is the fact that, well, I just didn't know how. I didn't know what steps to take. Um, And I I don't think, and I'm being harsh today, but I don't think there's any excuses for that anymore. We can go and get ourselves (laughs) educated. Um, It's Coach John, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, look, I'm locked down in COVID. I've had enough. Um, But it's, um, yeah, we, we can just take steps into our own hands by saying what we did before is like, well, okay, can we listen to podcasts? Can we grab an audio book? Um, can we, can we fill the gaps to build the confidence to be able to go and make a decision? Mm. Yeah. Kind of wasn't listening. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> What's your... <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> don't know what, I got distracted. Don't, don't know why I'm even here. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, 100% uh, this, with you all the way, this, buddy. <laughs> this uh, this next point at Glenn's is uh, is why I'm still here because I couldn't care less what he thinks. <laughs> so, yeah, my next point was we've got to get to the point where we actually don't care what other people think about our situation. And I am doing some uh, some writing work at the moment and I'm really like wanting to get around to this mindset thing. And particularly in our workplace, if we feel that we can't ask for a pay rise or we can't ask that, like, I'll give you an example, like, hi, boss, um, just want to know, like, in my team, you know, there's three of us and we're all the same team members in the same role. Is there any reason why, 
you know, I'm loaded up with all the work and the other two are just freeloading. Like, just, <laughs> I just need to understand. Like, so that could feel intimidating for somebody and that could cause uh, some paralysis with your workplace. For example, I don't know why I'm talking about workplace at the moment today, but, but you know, from a human level, I want you to just fast forward and have a bit of a think. You go to your manager or your leader and say, look, I've got a problem with this issue over here and whatever. And to you, that's the biggest thing and it's scary and I get that. But don't worry what they think because they actually don't really care, quote unquote. No. Because they're going home tonight. They've got their own family. They're making a nice pasta dish and they're going to put a little cheeky red in a glass and be engaged with their family. They're not thinking about, oh, they're not just thinking that it's not repeating on their mind like, I can't believe Glenn asked me about the workload today and they're not going home and telling their whole family. They've got their own life. Like no one cares. Mm. So you shouldn't care what people think. There could be a reaction like, oh, why would you ask that? That's really weird. But people will say that stuff and then they'll move on. So what I've learned in my life is I, yeah, like- I don't dwell on stuff that people say to me that they might have said to me thinking that I would dwell on it. And mm. my last kind of sub point to that is particularly around our family members, if you were thinking about quitting your full-time well-paid job to go and work in the gig economy and do different gigs and you might do Uber and you might freelance and do all that, if you were thinking about, hi, mum, getting your motorbike licence, you know, that could freak mum out. If you were thinking about doing X, Y, Z or buying an investment property and rent vesting, with our family and the people who love us and care for us most, it's like that thing with getting a mentor who's a little bit further down the line. It's hard for you to ask for their input on an issue where you know their mindset isn't at. So I would probably say around the others thing, you need to tell others, not ask. So, oh, hey, mum and dad, I'm thinking about getting an investment property. What do you think? It's just framing the discussion. Hey, mum and dad, I had a clarity call with this property genius. He's not dodgy. I'm going to get an investment property. I've got pre-approval. Um, this is awesome. I'm not asking for your permission. I'm asking for your love and support. Mm. Um so I think just reframing that way with when we're telling others about our decisions. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think understanding whether they're going to become emotionally involved or not. And I actually had a mother and daughter in on the clarity call a few weeks ago, I did. And their mother clearly wasn't getting emotionally involved in the decision-making. She was actually there almost like a business mentor, um, which was pretty cool. And and. But I know a lot of uh, people would not have that same relationship with mom or dad or whoever. So, yeah, making sure there's no, no real emotion there and it's just based on, on logic and experience. Yeah. So, would you like – so, if someone was wanting a clarity call with you or whatnot, would you be like, look, if you do have someone – like, do you ever record the clarity calls or allow people, if they want to do over Zoom, record it themselves to show their parents or something like that? Yeah, they've got the ability to record it when they yeah. have one, yeah. And we yeah. generally record most of it anyway. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's cool. Mm. Uh, my last point, don't aim for perfection or worry about making the wrong decision. Like, perfection doesn't exist. No. It sounds really weird, but you know, we talk about having grace for people and all that stuff and, you know, mistakes happen and all this stuff. And then you, you look about if I get a speeding fine, for, for example, and the law comes in. And for me, the perfection thing is law and the other side of law is grace. So, not perfect is the grace and it's okay. Where perfection and the law, it's really hard to, um, to keep the law and perfect 25-8, right? Yes, yeah. So we need to just step back and aim for progress, not perfection. Yeah, and and you can set your sights on 
excellence or, or something higher than just mm. standard, I suppose. But, yeah, you're right. Don't get wrapped up in the fact that it needs to be 100% when it's 99's okay. That's better than what we're doing nothing. Well, if you look at, you know, 100% like movement versus zero, 40 is better. Mm. And I always think like if I go for a walk around the block or go jump on a cross trainer at the gym or whatnot, you know, 20 minutes on the treadmill, it's better than 20 minutes on the lounge. Correct. Mm. Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. No, no. And I think it's sometimes, well, it's more sustainable that way, especially Mm. if we're attacking it for the first or second time. It's uh, we've, We've got to change the story we tell ourselves, don't we? Yeah, so let's just do a recap uh, while we wrap this episode up. Uh, Set a clear strategy for what you're doing. Set a date to make a decision by. Get rid of fear and uncertainty. Write down a practical to-do list and focus on ticking off one thing at a time. That's a good point, that one. Keep a positive mindset. Include others in your decision-making. Get help from a counsellor or a professional in the space. And, you know, speak to people who have walked the journey. Get educated, fill your knowledge or experience gap to build confidence. That was an amazing one, I trust. That was when I wasn't listening. Don't worry about what others think. You know, tell others, not ask others. And don't aim for perfection or worry about making the wrong decision. Because I think if we worry about making the wrong decision, that's okay because if we kind of apply all these other points, the wrong decision therefore won't be catastrophic. It will just be, whoops, a bit of an adjustment. Like, and that's why like around the property stuff or the career stuff, get a clarity call, for example, and then making a, a wrong decision, it might not be, I bought the wrong house, quote unquote. You've stopped a decision before you got to the execution part. Mm if that makes sense. Just just wheeling back around quickly on the don't worry about what other people think. Mm. So use the career example and I'm trying to impress people. It's different from worrying about what other people think, isn't it? Mm. So we've got to apply that in the right manner, don't we? Like you clearly don't care what anyone thinks, Right. And you use that to your advantage because you, you don't get uh, wound up in the, the the rats and mice of, of well, gee, I'm not going to do that because this person might be offended. I'm not going to say that because that person might get upset. You just say it. Yeah, I think – and it's like I I always want to do my life with, you know, love and respect and, and be kind and – I think sometimes people get confidence confused with arrogance. Yes. Uh, which is fine. And even someone sent me this the other day. It was a review on the um, on the podcast. I don't think I've heard – I don't think I've ever heard someone so condescending and in love with themselves as Glenn James. This podcast is just to glorify his massive ego. <laughs> 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 I love that. And I mean, you know, and I've heard it all and that's fine. But like, you know, (laughs) if I let that get in, gosh, I'd be a a mess. Yeah, correct. Um, But (laughs) But keep telling me how good I am. I need to stroke my ego, please. It needs to be stroked. But uh, yeah, don't don't let that get in the way of, of progress. Right, and and that's probably the key p- part. There is yes, we want to impress people, but we don't want to impress them in the wrong way, and we don't want to also rub them up the wrong way. Mm. So there's a balance in between there that says, well, I'm going to I'm going to be nice and respectful to people, right? But I'm going to do what I think is best for the team, for for myself, for my career progression, whatever that may be in in the lot in your life. Yeah, I, I just think. You know, and you can't be all things to all people. No, but and and I've got a, a a good friend who does worry about pleasing people too often, and it and hands down, it's to the detriment of uh, of their life on a, in a lot of ways. 
Well, what's the saying? If you're all things to all people, you're no one to no one. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, one, no one to yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's a good saying if you can get it right, though. I'm going to... We'll end it now, and then we might come back for a bit of an after party. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, I'm Glenn James. I'm glorifying my ego. And this is John Pigeon, who also hosts the My Millennial Property Podcast. See you next week. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Don't, don't press stop. Don't press stop. I Did you press stop? Uh, no. I haven't, no. Get your bloody, get your bloody hands away from that. Um, I'm going to look for that quote. All right, everyone. Uh, John, I'm just googling if you're all things to all people. Uh, what's the um, okay saying? All things to all people. What is the saying? Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's it's almost like if you, it's almost like if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for nothing. No, if you don't, mm. <laughs> if you don't stand up for anything, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah, that makes a bit more sense. Yeah, maybe. <sighs> so, what have you been up to? COVID aside. Well, I had uh, had my brother's 50th last weekend. So that was a uh, mammoth exercise. Totally. Mm. I went out to Broken Hill. Jeez. Yeah. Did you, you probably got COVID from there. Yeah, I think I did. If you're mingling with heaps of people out there. Have you been out there? No. It's a great spot. Like you wouldn't like it hands down, but... Um, no, I'd love it. You don't know me. I do know you and you wouldn't like it. <laughs> it's just uh, so if anyone's out in Broken Hill, shout out. I, I want to know that you live there because people are so friendly. Uh, yeah. Anywhere you go, just, yeah, open arms. Look, a lot of the country is like that. When you get out to small rural locations, you do get a lot of family-friendly people and, yeah, nice to hang about with. But, um yeah, that's what I've been doing. What about you? Um, what are you doing? Not much. I'm just um, trying to – it sounds weird. Like I just want to – like what's the time? It's 12.30 on a Thursday at the moment. Like I've got nothing else in my calendar all day. Yeah. And it's kind of good because I need to not just be back-to-back doing crap because yeah. I need room to think and dream and do content stuff yeah, and like episode planning and I, I've just found I need to have my life be very light on in terms of calendar stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, it feels good to book out an Arvo occasionally, doesn't it, and have nothing? Well, yeah, and like tomorrow, um, yeah, there's nothing in my diary till like 2 p.m. Mm. and they're just – a lot of them are just internal stuff anyway. So it's – yeah, I'm just really – trying to be intentional with uh, having less on during the week yeah, and yeah. just focusing on recording, um, you know, the podcast and the express podcast. Yeah. Actually, I got a text message from Emily Bowen. You've met Emily, haven't yes, you? Yes. Yeah. 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 
Um, hey, hey, do you have any mates rates deals on John's property calculator for your superstar hosts? Or maybe it's John I should be trying to sweet talk. Why isn't she hooking me up? Tell her to message me. Okay, message. Message John. He will hook you up. I'll give her 5%. (laughs) (laughs) I said, message John, he'll hook you up. I told him about this. Uh, oh, i got to tell you and everyone a funny story. Mm. When I was in the States, we went. I went with, I think it was five of us. We went, went to this venue and there's like a heap of different restaurants or whatever. And we walked into one of them and it was like kind of people everywhere. So it was like cold and snowing outside, right? And we're walking around <laughs> and there's this other guy in this kind of reception area for this restaurant. It was a nice steakhouse. And I couldn't find the... I thought he worked there. Anyway, so I walked up to him and he had like a head, like his his iPhone thing in. And I'm like, oh, hey, mate, can we get a table for five? (laughs) And he's like, a table for one, please. And I'm like, no, no, five. And he's like, no, no, I only need one. I'm like... No, we did five. Anyway, he thought I worked there and I thought he worked there. <laughs> In actual fact, you need a table for six. <laughs> oh, and um, he's just like, what? I can't believe how rude you are. I'm like, just need a table for five. And I think he didn't understand my accent. Oh, no. And the guys are cracking themselves laughing. Anyway, he's like, you're so rude. I'm leaving here. Really? <laughs> and I'm like, we just both meet. Anyway. Oh, shit. Um, He's, and my friend's like, what are you doing? He's wearing a construction jacket. Oh my God, I thought he might have just been outside in the snow. And, uh, uh, that's oh, funny. so funny. Gosh. So, and then, anyway, later on we see him because I think he'd had a bit to drink as well. We see him getting kicked out by security. Oh, no. <laughs> and he still hadn't had a feed. No, that's right. Oh, uh, that's so, funny. Um, yeah. So, US was anyway. good? Yeah. It's... um. Really good. I'm actually, I'm going over in September to FinCon, which is in Orlando. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then I'm actually going to see if I can do a course in the States while I'm there. So- Yeah, right. What course? uh, Harvard. Oh, it's just, uh, I don't want to mention it publicly at the moment, but um, I'm, yeah, thinking about- yeah, doing a week-long executive type training course, um, which is at the start of October. So FinCon start of September, and then yeah, um, where's FinCon? Orlando. Orlando. Well, they they move it around every time. Yeah. Um, so it's it's in Orlando. Mm. Um, so I'll probably stay six weeks in September. Yeah, nice. Yeah, mm. but also the um with the tour. Yeah, that'll be on the back of that, won't it? <sighs> yeah, so we'll basically finish the t- the tour will be like July, August, end of August. I'll come over like four days. Yeah, and then go up to the states on the second of September. My flight is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, we big back end of the year. Um. Mm. But yeah, we put up in the Facebook group about the property masterclass. Oh. Yeah the night before the tour. So, yeah, I reckon we would easily get 20 people to do the advanced property masterclass. Yeah, cool. At each um, each location? I think, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the Cap Cities, you know, we know that they're fine, but, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, and that's the thing, like, if we sold 10 or 5 tickets in Hobart, I mean, yeah. it might even be just worth flying in the night before and, and just doing that for, yeah. for the listeners there. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I enjoy doing them. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, we're I, I forgot kind of forgot we we're on a after party. Yeah. But if um <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that's all happening. So Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we're gonna do an advanced property masterclass uh the night before the tour, everyone. So yes. Should be a bit of fun. <sighs> yes. All right, I'm all gonna right. go and get some lunch. Yes. So we will uh, talk soon. I've told Emily to contact you. Yep. You can upload this audio when we press stop, yeah? I'll hook it up.
No worries. Sweet. All, All right. right. Thanks, mate. Okay. See you guys. See ya. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 